Welcome everyone to the L7C Podcast NBA Finals Edition. You have in here with our basketball aficionado, Evan Debo. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing good. A uh, emergency podcast of sorts to try to get in another talking point and series of discussion with uh, the Lakers rolling. And uh, if we didn't get it get on here quick, we'd uh, the series potentially could be over. That. True, as Evan alluded to, the series currently right now is 2-0 in favor of the Lakers, and Game 3 is a Sunday night at, is it still 7, is it 9 o'clock, or are they playing at 7.30 tonight? They're, they're playing early, they're going to play about 7.30 Eastern Time, so about 45 minutes from uh, when we're taping this now, so. So Game 3 is tonight, potentially the Lakers can go up a commanding 3-0 lead and since it's 2-0 we're just hopping on to talk about what we're seeing with the halfway point in the finals if we think the heat are going to get a game these crazy start times for the finals the scheduling of the finals and some coaching news that happened from our last episode so first i want to talk about the finals currently the lakers are up 2-0 the heat got hit with the injury bug with gordon and bam being out Evan, do you see any hope for Miami to at least get a game this series? I mean, this team is super scrappy. They, they. I mean, you alluded to before the series started on the last podcast on our, our preview uh, that, you know, they're a team that, you know, if they're going to have any success to steal a game, it's going to have to be, you know, mudding up, mudding up basketball, making it, making it tough, making, uh, a imp- leaving an imprint really on the series and just kind of a, a dysfunctional defensive driven fashion. Um, you know, I, I don't want to say it's a complete foregone conclusion that they won't win a single game out of the next two, but you know, teams have teams have uh, let their foot off the gas pedal before. And um, I think we were looking at a, a sweep or a gentleman sweep going into this. And um, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's possible, but as you alluded to, I mean, nobody saw the, the injury bug coming to two just I mean two of the top three players on Miami and Goran Dragic and then you now second game in a row too for um, who's got a uh, well Goran with the uh, uh, planer's planer's fasciitis or planer's tear the um, of the foot ligament there and then bam now second straight game uh, with a, a neck after leaving early in the uh, um, third quarter of, uh, of game one so this will be his second game um, that he's fully missed with uh, uh, as we head into game three tonight. You just just tough to see. I mean, I from the outside looking in, we were so invested in the the Cavs' first run through with uh, with Golden State. You know, they were able to make it to six uh, with you know Kelly Olynyk ripping Kevin Love's shoulder out, Kyrie Irving's knee um, busting down, and and that series in game one um, to start that overtime period. You know, this is. This is a different perspective for me as somebody watching, you know, basketball to see, you know, when you've got such a lopsided position like this, it's, I mean, it's, it, nobody wants to see it. Everybody wants to be at full strength. I think the fans want to be at full strength. Obviously Miami does, but I think the Lakers want to make sure there's no asterisk on this. And, you know, this is really a situation people were worried about heading into the bubble of, you know, things happen and everything else. And, you know, will people look at this as an illegitimate title of sorts in a really weird year? Like you do in previous lockout seasons too. I mean, it's it's really tough to see Bam and 
and uh and gore on out right now but uh it's uh it's it's looking like it it may well go sweet territory the lakers can uh can string together eight solid quarters here in the next two games yeah i agree i feel like if the heat don't win tonight then this is going to be a sweeping series will be over early in this week and you've already you already said it it does stink that two out of their three best players got hurt and I kind of feel, I do feel bad for the Heat, obviously the most, but I also feel bad for the Lakers, more specifically LeBron. I mean, he's chasing the ghost in Chicago with presumably now his fourth title that's about to happen. People are going to look at this time and be like, well, two out of the Heat's three best players were hurt. You were in the bubble, all those things. And that asterisk that you just alluded to, which would really stink for him. And also, I personally don't know if he's even going to win finals MVP this year because what I'm seeing from Anthony Davis I think I would kind of lean voting for him because they can't stop him no I mean through the through the first two through the first two games of any player on the court Anthony Davis has been the best player in the in in this finals um he's we we talked about too of this being in the in the last pod about you know this being uncharted waters for him he's never made it past a a conference semis before obviously this year making it to the conference finals and now the NBA finals. And he's, he's showing up and he's a bad dude. And he's, he's ad advertised as, as we've known him to be as a regular season player, but he's just never had the platform before. It also helps having uh number 23 on your side too, to, to help feed you the ball and, and everything else. But obviously losing Bam was, was huge. And, and now you're, you're scrapping with, you got Kelly Olenek and, Myers Leonard out there for stretches. They just can't hang with, with Anthony Davis, no. um, you know, too with, and then when you're on the Lakers and you stagger a second big in there too, I mean, it's just, you can do some high, low stuff there with, with JaVale and, and Dwight for stretches with, with AD. But I mean, that stretch Anthony Davis had in the, the third quarter of game two was some of the finest offensive basketball I've ever seen him play. I mean, he was, he was scoring at will, um, at one point, he was, I think, 10 of 11 um, overall in the game, heading into three, the third quarter. It just, I mean, he was filling it up and he was tacking the basket. He had a, a little uh, floater there, baseline. He had a had a three in that stretch. And, of course, his elbow staple long twos were, you know, he's he's getting, I mean, Jay Crowder was playing him, God love him, as best as he could on, on some of those elbow pull-ups. But, I mean, when you're seven foot already and you've got that ridiculous alien-like wingspan by the time you release the top of your shot i mean there's just no way a guy you know like jay crowder or, or myers leonard can can contest truly um a shot like that i mean that that stretch in the third quarter was phenomenal and that really kind of sealed the deal you know i will give miami credit you know we're talking about can they steal a game you know i saw a lot of hope they they were able to get it get it down to you know 10 points or, or so we were texting in the group chat a little bit about that um, with five, under five and a half to go. And obviously the score made it look in game two um, ended up being a lot worse than what it was for stretches. I mean, they did lose for 10, lose by 10, but to be down your two top players and scrapping, they did not quit. Um, it just clearly was a, an instance of a better talent, but yeah, AD has my vote through two games. And I, I don't feel like that, that hurts LeBron to an extent. Um, no. No. But uh, you know, I think this, again, LeBron's had some finals, just taken out of his hands with some with some crazy injuries on one end, and then you know the the Kevin Durant stacking on the other. But 
I mean, that kind of is what it is there, but he's, he's been on the other end of the injury bug before too. And as we alluded, it, this kind of makes up for it. Um, again, if the Lakers can, can pick up two of the next, really two of the next five games. I mean, if you, if it were to go out that long, this series is not going to go that long, but um, I expect more of the same in game three tonight, about another half hour or so. Yeah. I think the best chance that he had to win was actually game one. Cause I remember we were talking about it and tweeting about the game, how the heat were really, playing very well, but then turnovers and just bad decision-making, then the Lakers just went on a run and they couldn't recover from that. Then obviously the injuries happened. So we're definitely going to have to pay attention. As we said, game three is tonight, Sunday, time of recording. Hopefully, me personally, I would like the Heat to win just to extend basketball a little bit. Yeah. I don't want it to be over by Tuesday. That would just stink. And we've got to like November 19th when we have the next draft action. I know the Cavs have been doing some and some of the, the delete eight um, Cavs included um, bulls. The teams that didn't get invited to the NBA bubble have been having their own little mini camps of sorts just to, to have some, some basketball competition, get in the weight room together, run some, run some offensive and defensive sets and work out. I mean, I, gosh, I wish those things were aired. That'd be so nice, but you're exactly right. I'm not ready to give up basketball just yet. And if, the draft's not till what third week of November. I mean, that's a long ways away from anything basketball related, too. So, um, one one quick note, too. I mean, I've we've uh, we've also seen as much as we've seen success wise on the Lakers side of things um, before. Maybe we prop up the Heat just a little bit. They've they've had some guys really really struggle. I mean, really struggle. KCP four fourteen shooting. Uh, Kuzma has almost become the next guy in the in the primetime series to be kind of the joke guy you know if we if, if paul pierce was his own character in a in a movie where you're know, like oh man he's just flailing coos is kind of getting to that spot too it's i mean it's really been the lebron and ad show and not much else even danny green one for eight in game two i mean that's not danny those aren't danny green numbers no no they're not it's just that duo right now of lebron and ad just been too too good and we talked about on the last episode about people ascending and beating in these top 10 uh ba player rankings ad's got to be near the top got to be near the top around close to where his teammate 23 is at definitely in the top five i do want to hit on i do want to hit on uh rejon rondo real quick um playoff rondo playoff playoff rondo in this series, he's he's now passed Larry Bird for six on the all-time uh, career playoff lists. Uh, he's done that in three, so he's five assists ahead of Bird now, and he's also passed Steve Nash. So he's uh, he's six ahead of Nash on the all-time list. Obviously, those guys are done, but he's done this in three less seasons than both those guys. Both those guys did twelve playoff tours of duty um, versus this is uh, Rajon's uh, ninth tour. And I mean the uh, the turnover ratio in terms of games. I mean, so he's played far less games than anybody in the the top ten by any means. I mean, Magic Magic has a healthy lead almost in in just eighty three games uh, compared to Rajon Moore has doubled his assist total. So I mean, like if you were to average it out, Rondo's great, but I mean nowhere near Magic and Magic's Magic. But um, the turnovers only three hundred and twenty seven in the 117 games he's played. Now that seems, that seems a lot, obviously it's a, it averages out to, you know, a little more than three a game. But, you know, when you look at the all time list and you look at, 
you know, Jason Kidd that he's approaching on number four, even LeBron, you know, who's number third all time, just obviously he's played a lot more games. He's done a lot more playoff seasons. LeBron's turned the ball over 931 times to get to that number three ranking. I mean, Rajon has been about as efficient as it can be when the, the defenses are turned up a notch in the playoffs. Um, people are active in the passing lanes. And I mean, think of the teams he's played over the years too. Uh, he's, he's really been the, the best player on the Lakers for this entire run. I mean, and, and a guy who had, had hurt his hand early on in the bubble and wasn't there. And I mean, they've needed what they needed out of, out of Rondo, out of the second ball handler too. And I mean, I, can you ever imagine Rajon shooting threes? No. Officially no. he's been doing it. I mean, that was a, that was a laughable joke. I mean, he was, he was Eric Snow in Philadelphia, in Philadelphia bad in the early 2000s. Um, as a running mate to, uh, to, to Allen Iverson I mean, and, and LeBron for a couple of years there in Cleveland. I mean, he's, he's bad, man, but I mean, he's, he's a guy that, I mean, he shoots him flat footed, but he's really perfected. It's been, it's been amazing. Yeah. That plays to the, the heat, obviously losing their top two guys. What have, what have you seen? What have you seen out of, yeah, touch base on Rondo. And then what have you seen of, of promise despite the tough circumstances from the heat. So just far. a small thing on Roto. It's just amazing. The fact that he was always seen as the fourth wheel, obviously when he was with the big three in Boston, but there were games in with Boston, he would take over, especially with the robbery that they had with LeBron's heat back in the day. I don't know which game it was specifically. I think it was the game two of their last encounter where he had like a triple double and he was hitting shots all over. And he's just, one of those players that once he enters the postseason, he is a completely different player, both efficiently and just everything wise. So I think he, if they he if the Lakers win this second title, he has two titles under his belt, and like you said, where where he's at on the all time rankings of the playoffs, he's potentially going to be a Hall of Famer. Oh yes, absolutely. So. That's something uh, which I would think is crazy thinking about the big three Boston days and saying Rajon Rondo is going to be a Hall of Famer. No way. And now fast forward is just like, yeah, I think he's going to be in the Hall of Fame when his career is all said and done. And then you said to touch on the heat. I mean, they're just, it's sick. they're just resilient. Like I, when I'm watching them play and I'm seeing them just, they can't guard AD, but they're still trying. They're doing everything they can. They're running real basketball plays to get open shots for their guys because they're less talented than the Lakers. And it's just, it's unfortunate, but I love seeing them play. I hope in the offseason they can add a couple more pieces so that they can contend for a couple more years. I'm not going to write them off just yet. If they come out flat in game three and they're down by 30 at halftime, then the series is going to be over in four. So... That's just really all I have to say on that. But kudos to them. No one thought they'd be here. Vegas had a 60-1 to 1 odds of them making it to the finals, and they're in the finals. So, Somebody made money on that for sure. Oh. Um, Jimmy obviously has had to shoulder a lot of the, the scoring load here. He had 23 in game one. He had 25 in game two. Much more efficient game two for Jimmy, just really picking his, his spots kind of – trying his best to slow down the offense. And I think that was why you were able to see them get, you know, within 10 a few times late when they really shouldn't have been, um, as opposed to the, the, the 18 point blowout in game one, you know, they've 
you know, Tyler's Tyler's really looked like a rookie this series. Um, now, again, still in terms of volume shots that he's had to pick up for other folks, Bam being out of the lineup, Dragic being out of the lineup. I mean, he's gotten he had 14 in game one, 17 in game two, but really um, unefficient scoring of I think it was six of 18 in game one and then five of 12 in in game two. But you know, I've, I've it's also been as much as it's been you know kind of Lakers been able to key in on on Hero and Hero's kind of. Um, you know, kind of hit his struggles a little bit in the series, just with that, with so much attention now on him to score, and people know it, um, as opposed to you know being able to to play off of Bam and Dragic and everything else. That it's been nice to see Kendrick Nunn back in the lineup yeah. too. I mean, he's really he's had a really good two games. He had 13 in game two. In game one, he had he had 18 points on a highly efficient eight of 11 from the floor and two of four from three. I mean, it's that was the that arguably was. Um, in my opinion, because I still don't think Zion had played enough games. In my opinion, that was this, the runner-up for Rookie of the Year was Kendrick yeah. Dunn. Um, as, as good as – and that's not, a, that's not a knock on Zion, but our reporters and our voters are so quick to just jump to, well, Zion's Zion. So he – like, they, well, there's many who still think he should have been the MVP over, over John Morant. Um, but, I mean, Kendrick Nunn had been there all year, um, undrafted guy. I mean, just absolutely – absolutely um amazing throughout the regular season before the the covid covid break when the league shut down but that's a guy that you know if you asked earlier if the heat are going to steal a game one it has to be this game today um they have to catch the lakers with their their foot off the gas pedal they got to come out early and set the tone uh they're going to need a guy like kendrick nunn to really step up and be that scoring option um and, and kelly Olynyk's going to have to have close to a game um game two or a, a game three as he had in game two um obviously kelly hurt you so much on the defensive end but he was nine sixteen 16 from the the field and had 24 points i mean that's that's a kind of additional scoring you need to have especially when we talk pre-series about how shortened the rotations for eric spolster have been some of these guys have not been called on and i mean it doesn't get any bigger than game three of the nba finals you're in game two of the nba finals where you're getting called on and you got to produce so it's it's um it's boomer bust tonight for for the Heat. If not, it's a foregone conclusion or foregone conclusion tomorrow um, for Game Four uh, here in a couple of days. But I'm I'm would still like to see in terms of some morale and stuff too, and especially for that guy at the end of the bench. We all saw the speech from from UD and 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 Twitter was was a mass with you know UD can't be the angriest guy on the uh, who's not uh, or like in the bubble associated with the game and not be in the game the players in the game have to be as mad as ud was so i mean you we all know ud is gonna probably transition into an assistant coach after he's done here um everything else but a, a high quality guy you know if it's not this game it's next game we'll see some we'll see some mop-up duty likely with with haslam but um i'm excited to see that on on a side note but you know, again, it, it goes to the Miami grit and grind, um, just like we see with Memphis and and everything else. So, um, I mean, I with that said, the, the cards are stacked against them. So, I think I think the Lakers are going going to take uh, the next two, and we'll be without basketball for a little bit. So, one one last thing on just the NBA Finals in general. You are a PR guy; it's what you do for a living. Yep. I don't understand why, A, the games are at 9 p.m. right now, and B, how the games are at 9 p.m. competing with other major sports. 
Like tonight is game three, and it's earlier, but Sunday night football's tonight. I don't just I don't understand why they couldn't move the schedule around, especially with this bubble that they could have played games where they had no competition rating wise. Yeah, I mean they should have in in years past you would have seen um from a presentation of the game aspect, you would have seen an extra day in the schedule there as opposed to playing every other day with uh, the teams traveling and switching home court. Obviously we don't have that right now, but it, I mean it does it does hurt that you're going against like the um, the Eagles matchup tonight in Sunday night football, which is far. I mean, there's going to be way more people watching Sunday night football with the bad Eagles team than through the first couple of weeks. And they will the game three of the NBA finals, which, you know, again, in, in a normal year, you don't have that kind of competition. And the NBA is just feasted on it's June and you've got the Stanley Cup playoffs and uh, in baseball, a really declining baseball viewership. I mean, that's that's uh, super easy to and polite to say. I mean, it's been on the downturn for years, but so that's a struggle. And I get, I somewhat get the nine o'clock starts. You know, again, that's six o'clock for especially the West Coast. You know, six o'clock if you're out living in California on on Pacific time and and stuff too. But I mean, I it's still. I mean, that's that's tough for your your casual fans, which obviously you want to um, you know encompass too. When you're only playing two teams, you're trying to get the rest of the league interested and. In, um, you know, on one end, starting, starting it, you know, an hour earlier. I mean, if that's, I think that's really what we're, we're talking about here is, is way more advantageous. You start that at, with the exception of tonight's 730 game, you start that at, uh, five o'clock West, West coast time out there when people are getting off work and head to a bar, watch a game. And, um, you're starting at eight o'clock here. So, I mean, I, I'll be honest, like I, I kind of doze through, especially through this, these two games have been so far out of reach at the third and fourth quarter mark. I mean, uh, again, it's tough on a tough on a, a work night throughout the week so far to uh, really kind of stay up and, and watch, watch the third and fourth quarter. I've been calling it at, at half basically, and just kind of listening to as a fall asleep, but um, you're, you're right. I mean, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough sell to the, to the regular NBA fan. And that's kind of where you and I both are without, you know, like our, our core teams per se playing in this. I know we're obviously invested on a personal level and want to see, you know, LeBron succeed and, you know, continue to build his, his case. But now you're, you're exactly right. It's a, it's a tough sell from a marketing standpoint with the NBA, but I think going in, they, they were pretty animate that we're going to play every other get, we're going to play every other day, have a game. And, you know, they're, they were just at the onset, they were worried if they'd even make it this far with, with COVID and how many positive tests they'd have in the bubble. But I mean, that also speaks to the success of the bubble and what Adam Silver's really done to get them to a position where you can say, Hey, like you can't stretch out the schedule a little bit more for viewership and, and, you know, and, and the bring in the casual fan. Um, it's, it's almost a, a curse of the blessing of not, not having positive tests. And I mean, I mean, I mean, imagine if uh, on the heels of Cam Newton quarterback of new England testing positive, I mean, they had to, postpone the game thankfully for new england they did um but players on multiple sides doing it just based on that i mean imagine if we're talking game through the nba finals and we've already had a number of tests and like lebron popped tonight i mean that could easily swing a series so i mean it's again it speaks to what adam silver's done but you know obviously viewership's kind of hurting a little bit with with some of those start times and then again on uh you know sunday night too this would have been in my eyes this would have been a great a great game to potential on a Sunday night start at the nine o'clock if you're going to do that. And then weeknights, you got to, you got to take that back to a, an eight o'clock 
on the one last show in the NBA, right after we finished um, the podcast earlier in the week, um, yep. leading into game one of the finals, Doc Rivers and the Clippers separated. Yes. So, so Doc is... Doc is out in LA after that uh, very tumultuous ending with uh, the the Clippers as assembled with with the Paul George and and Kawhi um, uh, year one and he's out and then within what twenty four thirty six hours uh, I don't want to say I was Babe Ruth calling my shot here but I texted in the group chat that uh, you know I said keep an eye out on Philly and Philly got to them before. Indiana did or got to dock before Indiana did. And I'm trying to remember where some of the other openings are. I know some have been filled, but um, he's now going to be the head coach of the 76ers tasked with trying to get the, the Simmons and beat experiment to stay on track and, and get them to that next level where we're obviously Brett, Brett Brown really, really struggled. What are your thoughts on the the hiring, the separation of the Clippers and Doc and, and moving in a different direction work. I mean, I, I don't know what who's on the Clippers radar of now to replace him. So with him getting a, with him getting fired, I just felt like it was the typical someone's got to go after that three, one debacle. You can't just, someone had to take the hit for everybody. And unfortunately it was him, him getting a job in that quick a fashion. I was shocked. You did call watch out for, Philly, I thought potentially they were going to try and go more offense with the Mike uh, D'Antoni, but they went more, I guess, accomplished in Doc Rivers, and I was just like, okay, well, I thought he could have potentially, there was still Houston, but that would have been, and then there was Indiana. So him going to Philly to try and, like you said, get Joel and Ben to the next level will be interesting. He's back in the Eastern Conference. He's back in the Atlantic division, the same division he was with when he was a coach for Boston. I don't know if he's going to be the right guy for that job. It's a wait and see. And in regards to the Clippers, I think they're probably going to go Ty Lue, if anything, if Ty Lue doesn't get snatched up by the Rockets, because I think he's a potential for the Rockets as well. Oh, and I- or, Indi- or Indiana. Or Indiana. If I do remember, the Thunder still don't have a coach yet, right? Because they let that's correct. They let that's Donovan correct. go, and he already got signed to Chicago. Yeah, I and I I can't remember. I might have seen Ty Lue, um, or at least the Pacers were trying to pursue an interview with with Ty Lue at some point. But again, Mike Mike D'Antoni's got to land somewhere. I think originally before Doc became available, um, we both kind of thought you know maybe Philly for for that one there in terms of, uh, you know, bringing a, an offensive side of the ball mind there. And obviously his connections with the, the former leadership with, with Philadelphia, with, with team USA, uh, you know, Mike, Mike's got to land somewhere. Um, I, I don't, I don't foresee him going to, you know, an OKC, you know, and just kind of, I think, again, they really outperformed this year. I still, I mean, if I'm the Clippers and I'm looking at the landscape and if, you know, it's to me, it's Ty Lue or it's going to be Mike D'Antoni. Just depends what direction they want to go to. Now, in terms of managing personalities, Ty Lue's got to be the guy. And I, I mean, I think I, I assume that's the way you're leading. I think that's the way it's got to be. But hey, I just want to, I just want to touch base on on Doc real quick. So the Doc tenure in in L.A. really started back in what would that have been two thousand and two thousand. 
14. Does that sound about right? Yeah. Uh, Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, Lop City era. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know as, you know, if, if at all for you, but for me, I think historically, you know, the NBA, in my, in my opinion of all the pro sports franchises has really, really um, outperformed every other league when it comes to uh, dialogue, when it comes to culture, when it comes to uh, race, race relations um, amongst players, amongst organizations and, and bringing forth some of the great issues that, um, you know, haven't had a light cast on them that, that certainly need to be. And when I think back to the inception of it, you know, we, we had an awful Donald Sterling situation that, I mean, just went on for so long. Everybody knew, uh, reporters knew, um, NBA personnel knew, uh, you know, how, how awful he was and how awful he ran, not just his, his team, but I mean, his own businesses on the side and the kind of opportunities that um, he was withholding from, from, uh, you know, historically disadvantaged groups of people. And, and Doc was the steady hand to come into that situation. I mean, I remember that Adam Silver press conference, I know you do too, where he came in and they basically, you know, took the team from did the four cell after that, um, that tape came out. And, you know, I think we, you know, we joke about Doc Rivers as a coach blowing three, one leads in three different decades, but, you know, Doc really is kind of the inception of the of of this this new movement within within basketball, within society, within culture to to highlight social issues and to to call for courage and empower players to to speak their mind and use their platform. You know, Doc has been Doc has been that guy. Um, I know he'll bring that to whatever his next team is, but um, you know when when the great archivers of basketball journalists, whoever, go through and are, are documenting, you know, when they talk about the the I think it was the '78 NBA ABA merger as as a as a touch point. I hope when they're looking at how basketball has evolved and how it's evolved through society and culture, and they're looking at the Bill Russells and the you know the 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 work and the body of work he's done and continues to do in terms of uh in terms of rights and in terms of fighting injustice i hope that they look at doc rivers in that same light agreed it's it's going to be unfortunate with him just because of the first thing that people are going to think about now is him blowing three one leads in three different decades and then they're going to rag on him for that and underperforming with talented teams before they get to that part of everything that you just did is just because that's the way society and journalists and hot take analysts are. They're going to worry. They're going to talk about the negative first, then they'll work their way down to the good and positive that he's done in the world. And hopefully with Philadelphia, I would say what now they're ceiling with him. They at least got to potentially make a conference finals at least for their first year to be successful and for him not to get ragged on. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, it's he's got his his work stacked up against him. Um, you know, they they've got to figure out how to make him be more of of a centralized or a central part of the offense, especially in the paint. They can't be tucking him out in the corners. I mean, b- believe me, I mean, Joel is very capable, and that needs to be part of your system for the hey, Joel just box out, grab a rebound, the offense pushed up, and then he's the 
lingering five walking up the court that everybody forgot about who's going to pop that three at the top of the arc. Now, like that's part of it, but that can't be your offense is just letting Joel shoot four, five, six times a game from three, you know, when he's shooting at a 30 some percent clip. I mean, that guy is your best center in the league. I mean, I know Adebayo's had a really good run here, but I mean, you got to you got to work with him. He's still got to continue continue to get his body ready. He's got to continue to to get his mind ready in terms of bringing it every night and pacing himself throughout the year. But Doc's got to have his hands cut out with that. Um, obviously, Ben Ben's injury really really hurt um, in terms of their their bubble run and, and getting bounced pretty quick. They've got to continue to find and add shooters um, to their to their wings. But you know, Doc is Doc's a good locker room guy. Again, I hope he brings some of that same mentality injury uh um not injury bring some of that same mentality and and some of that um you know perspective and and locker room culture that he had with the the clippers and he had with boston that gelled all those guys quick you're exactly right doc has really been blessed with a lot of really good well-developed players um to just be kind of handed the keys to but and this is you know another instance of that with two guys but He's got his work cut out for him, but I, I really think the Sixers will make a move next year um, at, with him at the head as opposed to uh, Brett Brown. Hopefully. Did, you said something about Embiid. Did you say that he was the best center or potentially the best center? Uh, pot- potentially. I mean, there's on, on any given night, um, you know, again, in, in 80s, 80s will tell you he's a, he's a power forward, not a center. Um, but, uh, you know, Embiid – arguably is in my opinion um i think there's a couple other cases to be made there in in some other respects but um you know he's he's a guy that's you know his has struggled a little bit with conditioning and then you know from a strategy standpoint brett brown almost valued opening up the floor for ben simmons to drive because he can't shoot and knowing that mb can shoot a little bit from um you know 16 18 foot uh, jumpers out to the, the three-point line but you can't stick a guy with that kind of talent and that kind of size and and unguardable um acumen uh that far away from the basket so i expect that to flip a little bit ben's ben's gonna have to figure out the jumper somewhat but uh i mean those are some personal things but i think doc's gonna just fundamentally change how they run things in philadelphia and i expect him to make a jump this year or, and you know potentially take advantage of you know, in East again, that's going to have, you know, the Bucks with some questions around Giannis. Um, you know, Boston's here scratching their head too, you know, after what the Heat just laid on them. But, um, you know, I really like the move for Philadelphia and it just speaks to who Doc is again, as we just discussed as a, as a person, as a coach, um, as a well-respected locker room guy to not even be on the job market for two days. Right. I just said, I guess with the MB thing, because we've talked about this on one of our earlier ones, I can't, he has the potential to be the best center in the league, but since he didn't get to play, obviously, that much in the bubble, I can't put him above Joker. Not yet. At this point in time, after what I saw Joker do in the bubble. Absolutely. I mean, Joker's, Joker is the best guy. I, I mean, like I said, there's there's some other cases out there. Um, yeah, Joker is the guy now, but in terms of tools, it's just, we're just waiting for Embiid to put it all together. Yep. I mean, without, and that says how, also says how good Embiid is that you know, he's, he's in that, that conversation. I mean, now again, Joker is, Joker is the guy out of bios really made a push this bubble, you know, as well as, as Embiid. But again, that says a whole lot about Embiid that he's, he's somewhat in that conversation and he is in that conversation. 
without having it all put together. I mean, it's going to be scary, scary if and when he can put all those things together. Mm-hmm. I mean, from a from a from a scoring scoring aspect um, entirely, he is the most he is the most gifted offensive center in the NBA um, when it comes to putting the ball in the basket. Jokic obviously is the player you take hands down because of his passing ability too. He does so much more than just fill it up and Jokic can do that. But I mean, Embiid is a Shaq like monster still kind of walking around with, with baby deer legs or what have you trying to make his way. And he's had some cards stacked against him with that Brett Brown offense and, and a little bit of the injury bug and, and, and personal fitness. But man, when that guy gets, gets it all put together, look out, it's going to be scary. There's one, there's one more thing I just want to talk about real yeah. quick. And it's in regards to coaching. And this man's name's always brought up, but he's never gotten... Please tell me you're going where I think you're going. He's never gotten a second chance in the lead after, you know, having... He used to have the Warriors at 50 and 32. Mark Jackson. I I, thought you were going to go on the other side of the booth and say, say JVG, baby. I I think he's done, done. I think he's done. I mean, he was doing it for a minute. But with Mark, though... He was leading the Warriors to 50 and 32. And then finally, when the Warriors got rid of him, they won the title the next year with Steve Kerr. And he's never gotten an interview since then. I personally don't know if there if he has a black black plague around him or black whatever, shadow, whatever. I just don't understand why he's not getting interviews. I, I just don't get it. I mean, he seemed like a good coach in Golden State. And all these openings are going places. I'm like, why didn't Mark Jackson get an interview? So what do you think about, well, now you're bringing up the booth, so we can talk about the booth too. But what about those two that I just don't think just accepting them? I feel like Mark wants to coach, but what do you think about Mark specifically? Yeah, I mean, there were some, there were some rumors in there. I apologize. I'm typing on the keyboard again. Justin, our producer is going <laughs> to, um, going to, going to get me, get on me about that. But, um, yeah, I mean, so so Mark, there were some there were some rumblings about, you know, kind of almost not being the antithesis of of uh, um, of of a Doc Rivers in terms of locker room personality. Again, successful year, and Kerr comes in, and you know that's that's a tough pill to swallow to see the Warriors' success, and obviously the Warriors are going to be right back at it next year once they get their their two main dogs back, in addition to you know whatever they decide with the the number one pick and or Andrew. Um, uh, Andrew Wiggins, um, if they're going to package that to someone else, um, who, who knows? But um, that's got to be a tough personal. Sp- and Mark's handled that with grace. I mean, you don't hear anything about Mark saying, I mean, that on alone should get you at least an interview. But I mean, there's been some rumblings that Mark maybe wasn't the best locker room guy that he would say, he would say one thing and then he would do another. I mean, that was kind of the, and I, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, if you've, if you've picked up on that or that's things you've heard in the past, I mean, the, the example I had, I had read about a lot was, and, and I, I don't know the validity of this, but, um, you know, Mark would be kind of a, a kind of force when it comes to praying before games and, and, you know, embodying some of the religious aspects of, of growing together, the iron sharpens iron thing. And then, like he maybe didn't display such morals in the wee hours in the morning, certain places. 
Um, just trying to, <laughs> you alluded to being a PR guy earlier, so just trying to po- paint it poetically. So uh, I think a lot of players saw, maybe saw through that facade and, and what have you. But I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, we just had a, we had a star six man point guard, just go to magic city. If you're going to try to hold people accountable <laughs> by the same thing and like nobody bats an eye. So yeah, I mean the interview piece, I don't, I don't know. And I mean, unless behind the scenes, he's, he's pushing against it, but I think he does want to coach. I, I think that's, that's got to get him an interview someplace. I mean, honestly, if I'm Mark Jackson, or, um, you know, looking for a job and I'm, I'm somebody like Oklahoma city. I mean, that's a spot where, you know, instead of taking Joe Schmo, who's been an assistant 12 years and you're hoping that he's the next up and coming guy, I mean, stick him there with, with SGA to help develop him as a continue to develop him as a point guard. I, you know, I think, I think Chris Paul's probably going to be on the move somewhere this summer. Somebody's either going to overpay somebody who is going to overpay for that contract, but I do somehow like to see him would like to see him make it to the Bucks, or, you know, I can see the Knicks come in and, and really overpay and, and, and do some, some swapping of picks and, and talent for CP three. But, you know, that's a perfect spot I'd see from Mark, but I, I hope behind the scenes, maybe we're just not hearing about it. I hope he's getting interviews somewhere. Um, again, we can't, we can't hold everybody to this, this gold standard and on half truths and half conversations. I mean, the dude, yeah, he went what 50 and 32 with, with mm-hmm. with young clay and young draymond and i don't know if that was a richard jefferson year or not i know he coached rj at golden state too but i mean steph was there too those were he had them during the years where they were always having steph had the ankle injuries yeah um, it, it's yeah we're just gonna have to see I, I know i feel like he wants to coach again and i have heard this heard the same things you've heard about the locker room stuff and the behind the scenes maybe not being who he says he is but i feel like that shouldn't be enough to not get another chance in the league if he wasn't disrespectful to players or broke any rules i feel like you're right there's got to be something i mean i'd like to think that again we we just praise we just praise the nba for um you know what what they've done on a uh you know in a, a social level a a, a social equity level, a race level, what have you. I mean, that's not a, in my opinion, that's not a pretty look to the blackball guy, you know, who, who's, you know, in his own right, you know, in his own league, you know, there's a, there's still a, a minority issue when it comes to presenting opportunities for head coaches. I mean, that, that's not, a, those aren't good optics. And, and Mark's very, very capable. Um, I just, I, I wonder if there is something more to it that we just don't know that's never got out. Or in 10 years from now, we're going to, you and I are both going to read the same article in Sports Illustrated and be like, that's why. I mean, it yeah. could be, but I like, you and I both like to look at um, things with, with rose colored lenses on. And, um, you know, I'd like to think that, you know, somehow, some way, it just maybe the right opportunity hasn't popped up, but I mean, especially with some of those openings now, um, I mean, heck look at Indiana right now where he's, he starred, you know, playing, um, you know, playing with Reggie Miller, um, you know, played for many, many years, you know, that's, that's in slugged in those series against the Knicks and Jeff Van Gundy. Um, when he was, he was the coach there. I mean, that's, that would be a, another great uh, spot for him too. So I hope, I hope we start to hear some of that. I hope he actually gets opportunities to interview. Um, and then with a kind of tumultuous off season, that's a steady hand who's been a coach before, as opposed to, 
you know, the, the next top assistant for the, maybe not the Lakers because Jason Kidd and those guys have been around, but, you know, the next top assistant on D- a Denver or on a Milwaukee behind Budenholzer or something that you've never heard of, giving that guy a shot for the first time. If there's every time they need a steady hand, it's during a pandemic and a shortened season and one that keeps getting bumped back um, closer to a Christmas or after Christmas start. So I, I hope he gets. I hope he gets the opportunity. I mean, unless there's something just absolutely egregious we're 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 missing here, which you did say is a possibility. I mean, you're not wrong, but I think there's I think there's some some room room to go, and I think there's some some gas left in the tank for Mark Jackson as a coach in this league. Well, game game three is about to start in a yeah we are going yeah a couple of minutes. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we sign out for the day? Uh, once again, yeah, just echoing what we talked about last time. I want, want to thank folks for for listening to us. Yeah, about basketball. Um, we we went way longer than I think we expected for this recording. So sorry, Justin, on the the unexpected editing duties here. But that's why you're the man. That's why you're you're good at what you do. But um, Lakers Heat game three here, starting in about five minutes or so. Let's uh, let's see if the the Heat can steal one, or if we're on our way to a, a Lakers uh, sweep of a fourth title. Um, for LeBron and the first for Anthony Davis and truly the NBA offseason in a time where normally annually we'd have the NBA regular season start here in a couple weeks and some preseason basketball currently. So let's let's see if the Lakers can can finish it out and we'll we'll be back to, to recap after the finals is over. But we're going to take a break probably a little bit in between. So I'm sure there'll be more coaching coaching movement and that way we'll have a little bit more offseason content to preview. So right. And yep. Martin, thanks for having me on. Oh, no problem, man. Thanks for always coming on and giving some hoop knowledge to our loyal fans. As I've already said, thank you to everyone who listens. We probably won't be back um, for a little bit unless the crazy happens in this game. And this goes to game seven, which we both don't see happening. But if it does, we will will have a game seven preview podcast just for you guys. Just want to say thank you again. Once again, thank you for listening to the L7C podcast, and we'll be talking to you guys soon. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of the L7C podcast. Be sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe to the channel. Follow us on all social media platforms, and we'll be talking to you guys soon. Take care.